Hi, and welcome to Total Rewind, a Filmmaker's Compass podcast where we take a look at movies 30 years and older and see if they still hold up. I'm D-Man, joined by my co-host CP. How's it going, man? I'm so happy that we are finally talking about Christmas movies. This is the best time of the year. It's one of my favorite, you know, movie watching times of the year because we actually go back and watch the movies that we love, right? Our Christmas classics, our nostalgic favorites, they kind of bring a sense of, you know, warmth and tradition to the holidays these days. You know, movies are a big part of the holidays. And we figured, of course, then that's something we're going to want to discuss on Filmmaker's Compass podcast. So on this week's Total Rewind, we're taking a look at what is considered to be arguably the number one Christmas classic, but also, you know, it makes a lot of people's tops lists. And maybe we'll get into that later. We are looking at A Christmas Story. So if you could tell us a little bit about the movie and then we'll jump into some conversation. Boom, A Christmas Story. We know you've seen it. TBS famously plays it for 24 hours around Christmas. The Bob Clark film, based off of the story by Gene Shepard, it stars Darren McGavin, Melinda Dillon, and Peter Billingsley. You've watched it. If you haven't, then you don't own a TV, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like based on the whole 24-hour broadcast thing, most people should be familiar with A Christmas Story. Whether they've sat there and watched it for 24 hours, (laughs) debatable, probably not. I know I, I haven't watched it for 24 straight but i don't mind putting it on on christmas day or even christmas eve at night and just kind of letting it run but it's one of those things where normally you're with family there's good conversation you're not necessarily like glued to the screen per se Mm -hmm. but when it's a good part you're like oh let's hang on let's watch this yeah one of the things that really struck me watching a christmas story again and let's face it i've already watched it twice this holiday season so (laughs) you know and who knows how many other countless times one of the things that really struck me was what do you think makes a christmas classic like why did this one stick And that's fascinating to me because there's so many Christmas movies, right? When you look at like, say, Lifetime or the number that Netflix and the streaming services are pumping out Mm -hmm. now, but they Mm -hmm. don't, they don't become classics. And it's ironic because at the time, this movie was not a commercial success, right? Yeah, I believe it released like Thanksgiving weekend, 1983, and it only ran in theaters for a little over like two months. And which, of course, it's going to get most of its audience during the holidays. Which yeah, and sense. you compare it to something like Home Alone, which was in theaters until, you know, June. This is not anywhere in the same caliber. And part of it at the time is apparently holiday movies weren't what they are now. But I think part of the reason why we come back to this movie is yes, it does help that it's so available and if TBS and all these networks are showing it all the time, it's very easy to revisit it from year to year. But at the end of the day, I think the reason why this movie lasts and resonates with audiences so much is the fact that it is souped in holiday tradition. I get that. We follow the Parkers as they do the same things back in the 30s or 40s that that we do today. You know, they go pick out Christmas trees. They decorate the trees. You know, they they go see Santa to get their gifts. And Yeah, Christmas parades. They go shopping at, what is it, Higby's, I think. Yeah. And in many ways... Was Higby's um, a real store? I think it was. It was like an Ohio thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think Higby's was a real place. Kind of like in Elf, it's... What is it? Gimbals. They're like Gimbals, yeah. Which I think also was a real thing, although not when Elf was made. And I think that's why this one lasts. I think the other advantage is making this movie and intentionally setting it in the past. What is the date on this movie? Because I could never actually lock it down. I heard it's roughly like either late 30s, 1930s, or early 1940s. 
that may be intention. I'm not mistaken. I think so, right? They don't say anything talking to the actual events of the time in terms of either depression or, you know, the World War II, anything like that. And I think part of that is this is told from a child's perspective, right? And so kids really don't care about those things. What they care about is getting gifts around the holidays. The other thing too, though, is I think it really kind of grounds it in it took place before, but it it keeps it from feeling too dated and too locked in. It makes it sort of, you know, flexible. Yeah. And, you know, there's something to be said for that, especially when you take a look at other holiday classics like Home Alone. What they were trying to do deliberately by not dating their film. I think Home Alone is the standout because it was so deliberate in their attempts to make sure that they don't put a year on it or they're not using music from that year. They're not showing things that are specific only to that time so that Home Alone could find its place in the Christmas movie pantheon. And it Mm -hmm. did, right? It absolutely worked. And, you know, Home Alone 2 doesn't do this as much. Obviously, you're going to New York City. You're going to see what it looked like at that time as well as they're using using things like the talk man and yeah is that what it's called talk boy i think yeah talk boy whatever it was i can't believe how popular those were but <laughs> you know it's funny because most of the movie like when he uses it he literally just says what he's going to say in it and then plays it back and you're like you could have just said it <laughs> With A Christmas Story, they work really hard to make sure that it kind of has this almost timeless quality. And it's interesting to me, too, because by dating it further back, right, it's a movie that was, you know, filmed and released in the 80s, although I think the stories had been floating around since like the 60s, Gene Shepard's stories in his comedy routines. He'd been on the radio and told some of these. Yeah. What's interesting to me, too, is for us today, so not just when it released in the 80s, but A Christmas Story today connects an entirely new generation of kids to the traditions that people have been doing for generations for decades and you can look back and it's like yeah like you said they went and picked out their tree they put up their christmas lights and decorations they go see santa they go to the parade they open gifts we do all those things they're just they're different the gifts are different but we still do all those things and it gives you a sense an anchor to the past a little bit and makes you realize like, hey, these traditions have been around for that long. Because I think when you're a kid, most kids can't really see past their like grandparents, maybe. Yeah. Photos of like their grandparents when they were young. You're like, other than that, that's about as old as the world is to me. I think the other really cool thing that A Christmas Story does so well is it actually is a movie that improves with age, age of the viewer. I think when you're a kid, you don't appreciate it to the same extent that you do when you become an adult, right? Yeah. When you're a kid, you want to see Christmas movies about like Santa and magic and people falling off the roof to become Santa. Yeah, right, or Elf. Or Home Alone, right? I think as an adult, there's a message that's much more powerful, right? We remember what it was like going to sleep and waking up on Christmas morning and hoping, did I get it? Yeah. Oh, And that's a feeling that that you only get through films like this once you're older. And I mean, I don't know how it is for you, but for me as a kid celebrating many Christmases in Northern Indiana, there is an element to the movie that totally I can relate to. I mean, granted, we did it much later later than they did. But even that, the culture, the timing, so much of that film resonates with how it was for us. Yeah. And I I like to think as, you know, a Christmas fan, I love the holidays. Right. As soon as they start playing Christmas music on the radio, I'm turning it on the, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. I'm already in Christmas mode as soon as I'm done eating Thanksgiving dinner. But it's interesting because Christmas itself, when you get that the magic of being a kid, which is what the movies and what a lot of the songs and stuff are often about, you know, it's very fleeting. 
cheating. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, for Halloween, we go trick or treating, but eventually you grow out of, it. Yeah. you know, you just yeah. either culturally, right. You, you tend to rebel. You're a little bit more, you're older. You care more about going to parties and hanging with your friends or, you know, meeting girls. You just kind of grow out of it. Christmas can be that way where it's like that magic is so special when you're a kid, but when you're a kid, you don't know that you have no sense of time or scope or that you'll ever even lose that. It just feels yeah. like it will be forever. Christmas Story does a really good job, like you said, of allowing adults a moment to kind of revisit their own childhood and what they did and, and kind of capture that feeling again. Because if you think about it, that's what we do with Christmas, right? We yeah. have kids of our own and we want to pass on those traditions and ultimately kind of get a little taste of that magic for ourselves through them. Hope that we can deliver for them the memories that we have. You know, the way the story's told, right? It's narrated by Ralphie and they go back and it's kind of a, a series of vignettes where they're looking at these different moments through the holiday season with the through line being that he really, really wants this special gift, the Red Rider BB gun. And the way the story's told, it's almost is if it is an adult telling their own memories to a new generation. And that allows, I feel, the movie to be passed down that way. And it works really, really well. Yeah. So I definitely like that. I think one of the things story-wise that always stands out to me, it's it's one of my favorite moments in the movie, which is throughout the entire film, Ralphie wants that Red Rider BB gun. You know, he asks his mom, he writes a theme to his teacher. He goes and talks to Santa constantly. He's trying to get people on board with his wanting this gift. And the famous line is, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody's like, ah, you, you can't have that gift. But I love on Christmas morning, it's another magical moment where he never asked his dad. And that's the person who comes through. Right. His dad yeah. instinctually knows. He says, you know, oh, I had a kid and, you know, it was fine. But in a weird way, it, it's such a touching moment because, you know, I think a lot of times, especially when you date it and you go back to the 30s and 40s, you know, dads worked a lot. They didn't necessarily. In this movie, even too, the old man doesn't necessarily like sit there and listen to little orphan Annie with Ralphie and his brother. Yeah. But he knows. But he knows. And he does it in a fun way where he's like, oh, hey, you know, what's that over there? And Ralphie's like, what? After he's kind of already accepted, he didn't see the box. Yeah. It's not here. I always love that moment because it's just, you know, between a father and son, a parent and their child, kind of having that connection that only they can actually have, you yeah. know, them and, and Santa. I mean, and, and this movie's chock full of holiday kind of classic moments. They have the leg lamp. They have, is it Fick licking the pole? Flick. 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 Yeah. yeah. I was like, what the heck is his name? Flick licking the pole. They have the famous line, you know, you'll shoot your eye out kid like there's just so many things that uh you know are really famous from this movie you are uh what's the line i didn't say fudge <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like even that gets parodied to this day. And there's just so much in there. But story-wise, it, it's really all driven by that need to get this gift. You know, at the end of the day, I think what A Christmas Story does really well, and this is in the entirety of its story, is it shows us that, again, it's kind of that old adage, you know, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Once he looks back on that Christmas and, you know, going home and checking the mailbox and all these little moments throughout his Christmas season what you really appreciate is that time in your life not yeah that Red Rider BB gun, even though that's what you wanted. Mm -hmm. When you're older and you look back, it's not the gift, it's the time and all the memories you had that are truly special and that that's what you'll pass on. To me, that, I mean, it makes it a classic. I don't know, it's something... I love all the Christmas movies, even the bad ones. I'm like, I'll watch it, you know. And we're going to talk about it, but I even watched, like, the new Home Alone, you know. <laughs> 
Such I don't know if you've seen it yet, but anyway, Absolutely not. you know, I'll give them a shot. You know, I'm like, I, I just love the holiday season, but this one's up there for me. They do a really good job. Like you said, something else that I connect with personally is it's set in Northern Indiana. I think you said it's supposed to be like Hammond. That's where. Yeah. That's where I read Gene, Gene Shepard. Yeah. And so there's a lot of allusions to his time as a kid. I think the teacher's name might be the same. He lived on Cleveland street. There's a whole bunch of things that are straight from his child. But I can relate to that. Like, okay, we both grew up in Northern Indiana, South Bend, Notre Dame. (laughs) A town that had a Cleveland street. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was just going to ask you, did you ever have a white Christmas? Does it body what you see here? I mean, yeah, I think in a lot of ways, you know, we grew up in a place where the houses still look like they do in that movie drive down the streets that get plowed and you see the snow piled up on the side. And I I mean, I remember that, dude. I remember going out of my backyard and being covered in snow. Yeah, I I remember one Christmas we woke up and I want to say there was like, it was like an ice storm. Everything, it snowed, but I guess in the middle of the night, it like froze over. So there was like this kind of exterior gloss on all the snow because it was like technically frozen. Yeah. And it was crazy because if you walked outside, like it was like home alone. If you stepped wrong you'd you'd fall i mean easy you know it's like when he sprays water on the steps and that that's what it was like but i remember you know we also in northern indiana we didn't always have white christmases sometimes it was dead grass and empty trees and you know but it makes you appreciate the ones you had like i even remember being a kid i think you know we got new bikes and it was a white christmas and we couldn't go ride them outside so like my parents backed their cars out of the driveway or out of the garage sorry and we just rode them in circles like in a little garage and then you're done. And, you know, unfortunately, you really don't ride your bike again until the spring. It was a great gift that we were so happy to get it. But, you know, you got to wait over there <laughs> for some of that stuff. Remember that, dude. But it's interesting, too. I, I was reading kind of a behind the scenes for this podcast, and I found out that not only did Gene Shepard grow up on a Cleveland street, but the house that they actually use for the exteriors of Ralphie's fan, the Parker home, is located in Cleveland. And so that was a bit of an homage to where it was actually filmed. Now, funny story, that house in Cleveland is also on Cleveland Street. Oh, wow, that's crazy. I know now it's a museum <laughs> for the movie, which I think like that would be a cool trip to check out. Yeah, if you're a um, fan of the movie, I could imagine. I, I don't know that like, right, if you're just staying at a house, I'm sure it's neat to, you know, nostalgic and they'll have the movie on and like you have a good time. Yeah, right, it'd be probably be really cool. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what are your standout, what are your kind of standout moments in the movie? Because there are quite a few of them. I don't know why, but it cracks me up every time when the, the leg lamp breaks. And he's like, the old man was so angry. He didn't even know what to say. And he like walks away and he's like, not a finger. <laughs> and you're, <laughs> you're like, I don't even know what that means. I always love the scene where he goes to see Santa because that is the the worst Santa ever. It just goes contrary to the image of, of Santa and how we the envision jolly. that experience all the time, right? He's like, man, I'm not working a minute past nine. And but like... <laughs> They're all yelling at the kids. Uh, I I think that's great. I love the part where they go to the Christmas tree farm because, right, I mean, when you go pick out your Christmas tree, we've all done it where you're like, oh, this one's kind of bare. And that dude is trying so hard to make this sell and he pulls out that tree that's like totally, yeah. And he's just like, oh, just put it in the corner. Yeah, and you're like, nope. You know, they're like, don't you have a big tree? (laughs) I always love though, like when you're talking about the Santa scene, it's actually funny. I I don't know exactly if this was intentional, but I think it was. When Ralphie's at a distance, Santa seems 
seems like the Santa he should be. It's only when he gets mm-hmm. right up there that they start to use these angles where they're like right on his face and they make him look, you know, probably as creepy as Santa looks to actual kids. You know, like you have to sit there and look up at him. You're like, yeah, you know, right. this is terrifying. You know, I, I wanted to ask you, why do they have Wizard of Oz characters, you know, kind of going around Higby's? I assume it's because it, or it's supposed to take place in like 40. So they're just like popular and, at the right, time. Wizard of Oz came out in 39 and it was the biggest movie ever. So I think that's why. Okay. Yeah. And then of course there's the, uh, you know, the famous leg lamp, which mm-hmm. is now a staple. I think I have an ornament on my tree of the leg lamp, but you often see leg lamp replicas. Now people yeah. put those up. They have it on their shirts and their Christmas sweaters. You know, it's kind yeah. of a, a famous thing. And it's interesting too, because that is not actually like inherently Christmas. No, it's in any way. a result of the movie changing culture. Yeah, right. Like it happens to be in this movie and for that reason works really well. But it's funny because yeah, so you're like, it's a leg lamp. Like it doesn't actually have anything to do with the holidays per se. It's, it's kind of like the pink bunny uh, pajamas. Now you see mm-hmm. those, they come out in Target every year during the holiday season. And that's it's not inherently Christmas either. It's just a tribute to the film. Yeah. I always love to, right? At the very beginning when they, op- no, it's like at the morning, they're opening presents. And what's his brother's name? Randy. Randy. He like runs over and he's like, whoopee, a Zeppelin. And I was like, <laughs> what kid in 2021 would be, ex- who would even know what a Zeppelin is? <laughs> you know? Good point. I, you know, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things. I did want to ask you too. Did you ever have, what was a gift that was kind of your Red Rider BB gun? What was something that you really wanted and you got? Because I know mine. I wanted, it was the Star Wars Millennium Falcon for the uh, like three inch action figures. It's yeah. the one, it's the one that- The uh, big one that you could take off the top and put the guys inside. Yeah. I think it's the one that like 11 floats in Stranger Things. That one. We got it. My brother and I it was two, both of us. I mean, the Millennium Falcon just, uh, here's my Star Wars mix. We're back. <laughs> It's just like the coolest, not only is it the coolest name for like anything, I'd call my car that if, if it wasn't so universally renowned <laughs> as Star Wars, but that's like the, just the coolest name for a spaceship. But not only that, like the Falcon just had all the imagination you could put into like, if I can dream big, then one day I want to have a life-size version of this thing and fly it to Tatooine. I remember three things when I was super little. I wanted actually, ironically, a Zeppelin. <laughs> you remember the Ninja turtles they had a ninja turtle oh yeah that could like blow up that's right and uh i wanted it so bad so i was psyched when i got that when i got a little older i wanted obviously a nintendo 64 which i wanted for a long time before i finally delivered but the thing i remember i was most excited about is when we were kids you remember legos came out with like a cowboy theme yeah yeah lego series and they had this like civil war fort that i wanted so bad i was so psyched when i finally got it because it was like the thing that I wanted more than anything. Yeah, that's tight. And Legos are fun. They're fun on Christmas day. Cause it's like, you can, it's that gift you can open and then immediately play with, you know, yeah. like I was saying, there's other things too. Like, you know, there's action figures and all kinds of stuff, but some things, you know, you're like, oh, you know, we'll have to wait eventually. Right. Like even N64 to a certain degree, like depending on the games you got, you know, maybe you only got one Christmas day. So, you know, you have other games you want to get, but you don't have them yet. So you got to wait till like your birthday or something. Speaking of N64, did you see the new 8-Bit Christmas on HBO Max? Dude, of course I watched it. For anyone that hasn't seen it, it's essentially, it, it takes a lot of the story structure 
from A Christmas Story. And instead of the Red Rider BB gun, it's a kid in the 80s who wants a Nintendo, an NES, the original Nintendo. Yep. It kind of follows his journey, you know, through the holidays as he's attempting to get this gift. I, I don't know. I figure it's worth mentioning only because I feel like it's like an updated or like 80s version of A Christmas Story. There's a lot of, of elements that you can tell the filmmakers were very conscious of trying to channel. Unlike A Christmas Story, while it's set in the past, it does not try to be as timeless. It's really conscious of, you know, there's great references and jokes to 80s cultures, you know, 85 bit. There's music. Die Hard, right? All these things. They're very, they're playing with that whole nostalgia thing that people love, which is, hey, I just spent two hours back in 1985 again, and it was amazing. Well, and it's funny because like, it has a narrator, which mm -hmm. is Neil Patrick Harris. Although in this instance, they actually show it takes place I guess today, but he's narrating. So it, it borrows a lot of the same elements. I think it's interesting though, when we started off the conversation today about a Christmas story, we asked what makes it timeless classic. And it's interesting because you know, being set in the 80s and in pursuit of a Nintendo, and maybe you can clarify, it doesn't necessarily lean all the way in to Christmas, although it happens to take place at Christmas. When I watched it, my thoughts were it very easily could have been a start of summer movie, right? You yeah, know, what the, one the, time, the one time we tried to, to buy our Nintendos, right, movie, because so much of it is focused on the kids themselves trying to find ways to get their own Nintendo apart from their parents and, and Christmas and all that stuff. And I think that what makes a Christmas story so memorable is the fact that as he, it is all about him waiting to get this gift and he knows he's only he's getting it from his mom he's getting it from santa and yeah. it's all about how the events leading up to Christmas are his attempts to push that in his favor. You can't really tell that story any other time of the year. That may be the difference. You know, I actually really enjoyed 8-Bit Christmas. It's pretty funny. If you oh, get a chance, you might want to go check it out. You love Chicago. Especially, if you love the 80s, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's one of those movies where I, I think, you know, I would definitely recommend a viewing and let us know what you think. But yeah, it, it's weird because it doesn't quite tie into Christmas the exact same way a Christmas story does, where like you said, there's kind of this integral sense in A Christmas Story that even when he says the F word, it's it's ruining his chances of getting his gift mm -hmm. because maybe now he might make the naughty list or his mom's like, no, I'm not giving him this gift, or, right? Mm -hmm. And they toy around with a couple things like that. Like, you know, the kid in 8-Bit Christmas is supposed to go pick up poop outside or something, you know, but it's not quite the same. Although I did, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think obviously A Christmas Story is going to be the one that does have the timeless quality. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun watching it again, you know, because like I said, I'd already seen it. Before we wrap up Total Rewind, something else I wanted to throw at you, and I kind of brought this up at the top of the episode. You know, you don't have to rank all of your Christmas movies right now, but I am curious, is A Christmas Story maybe in your top five? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't even have to think about it. As I said, I think as I've grown older, I've grown to appreciate it more. I think it means more as an adult, right? And we think back to Christmas. And, you know, unfortunately, we, we come to the realization at some point in our life that there are only so many Christmases that you're going to have. And when you're a kid, it's all about the immediacy of there's only, you know, 25 days till Christmas. Am I going to get what I want? I have to wait 24 more to find out. Oh my gosh, this is unbearable. And as you grow up, you realize all the other things about it. I think A Christmas Story does a really good job of grounding that point to, to an audience. And I, I think that's 
the the true meaning of the holidays. Yeah, I think it would make my top five. And even though there are so many great Christmas movies, you know, it's classic Christmas. And like you said, it's one that has aged better, both in my own experience, but also in our culture. Okay, so let's talk about that. Why was this movie, which was not successful at the time, but is so revered now? Why do you think there was a shift there? What do you think's going on? Why why were audiences in, in 83 not thrilled to watch a Christmas story? I mean, first of all, I, I don't know that Christmas movies were quite the tradition they are today as part of the holiday season. And, you know, ironically, you know, you look at a Christmas story taking place in the forties and there's no Christmas movies, you know, True. there's no Christmas movies in it. You think of uh, home alone, he's watching the Grinch, you know, at one point I think like it's a wonderful life is on and Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. Like Christmas movies are a part of that tradition. Once you get to a certain point and in 83, I don't know if they were quite there yet. And that may have to do with the introduction of home video VHS. And at the time I think it was, what was it? Uh, beta beta max yeah but it ended up being vhs and once the movies became accessible for viewing whenever you wanted and you didn't have to wait just for the broadcast version of a christmas movie i think the market exploded you know and you can see that because not only is maybe the christmas story a start of that in 83 but you go through to you know christmas vacation home alone home alone to santa claus there's this kind of explosion of christmas movies right around the late 80s and so that may have something to do with uh, home video and the ability for families to, you know, put the movie on and make it a part of their Watch holiday it tradition. Year is part of, yeah, that makes sense. Would be my guess. I could be wrong. It could have just been a cultural thing. We got a little bit more into Christmas, you know, around 1990. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because it's just something I always wondered. I mean, because now it's such a staple of the season. The cultural impact we see everywhere, you know, people know the lines, they know the references, they know the, the lamps. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen unless the movie is successful. So I just think it's weird that it was kind of a delayed success and a you know a longer period of getting there as opposed to something like the Santa Claus or Home Alone which immediately were or Elf right beloved yeah and you look at holiday classics and what was classic maybe before Christmas Story you have like Charlie Brown Christmas and that was always that was like a broadcast tradition I think it's always like the first week of December sometime Mm -hmm. depending that kind of always for a lot of people would kick off the holiday season Mm -hmm. I think you go It's a Wonderful Life was, you know, uh, around, but it was a broadcast movie. It probably played on Christmas Day. Yeah. But again, that's another example of a movie that maybe wasn't as successful in its initial release and over time picked up quite a following. Exactly. Maybe White Christmas. I don't, that's never been a classic for me, although I could imagine for a lot of people before A Christmas Story might have yeah. been. Can you think of anything else? And maybe the original Miracle on 34th Street, which did not come okay, out at yeah. Christmas time, by the way, because Christmas movies weren't a bankable thing, so. Because yeah, like you said, you named them all. You go through the, the classics now and they're all, along with the ones I just named, a lot of the classics are newer. Newer, but as we identified, it's not guaranteed. There have been an awful lot of Christmas movies and they didn't all become classics. We're looking at you, Fred Claus. Yeah. (laughs) Well... I guess the other thing I want to know for the audience, do you hate a Christmas story? Because to date, I've never met anyone that is like, nope, not not in it. Don't get it. I do know someone. My sister. Sean. What? No. My sister, I talked to her the other day. I was like, oh, I'm watching a Christmas story for this podcast. And she was like, oh, I don't like that. And I was like, how do you not like a Christmas story? I mean, we maybe we should bring her on. We should. <laughs> we should. Did you guys like lock her in the basement every Christmas or something? Like, how could you not like a Christmas story? Well, it's funny because again, a Christmas story for me was not necessarily kind of that kid classic. You know, I grew up on, you know, the Santa Claus, Home Alone. And like you said, 
that to a certain extent, you know, by the time we're in high school, like Elf, you know, we always had it. I I always remember having it on because they would play it. I don't know Mm -hmm. how much my sister watched it because she's nine years younger than me. So maybe she didn't. But I was I was always aware of A Christmas Story. Always liked the movie. Love the movie, really. Yeah. And I think, you know, ironically, it for uh, my wife, Steph, that's like her favorite Christmas movie now. Yeah. And she actually didn't really grow up watching it. Although, again, she had kind of seen it had been on. But now that's one of her favorites. She always it's funny because like she'll say that line, you know, not a finger. <laughs> Whenever she's like imitating being mad, just because, yeah, she loves it. So anyway, yeah, my sister's one. Count her as one. Maybe our friend Sean. Wow. You know, Sean's not, you know, he doesn't hate the holidays, I guess, but he's not the biggest like holiday guy. I remember we tried to, in college, we tried to get our buddy to uh, come decorate our tree. He just put headphones on in his room and zoned us out. (laughs) (laughs) I hope if you are in any way Christmas movie tradition person, you add a Christmas story to your list because it's totally worth it. I really can't think about anything terribly bad to say about it, considering the time it was made and the time it was set. You know, it's very entertaining. It's darkly funny at times. You know, there's good humor in it. I just think it's traditional Christmas, if if that's your thing. I'm going to ask because we have to, because that's what we do on the show. Does it still hold up? 100% yes. Yeah, I watch it every year, so. I agree. You have to. Two thumbs up, and uh, that's it. That does it for our show, so I'm going to throw it over to our listeners. What are your thoughts? Is A Christmas Story in your top five? Do you have it on your, you know, annual Christmas playlist? And what are your favorite scenes? What do you like? And if you're like my sister, if you hate it, be sure to let us know because <laughs> I'd love to hear from someone who hates it. I'm going to start doxing these people just heads up. <laughs> oh, man. Well, on that note, be sure to continue the conversations. You can follow the show on all the major streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, as well as streaming on YouTube and all the social media channels. Just go to filmmakerscompass.com. We got all the links set up. You can find the episode there. I'm throwing it over to you. Take us out. Well, thank you for reminiscing about A Christmas Story with us. We hope that you're going to check back in for the next episode where we will be talking about another holiday classic. In the meantime, you keep watching those movies and we will see you back here here next week.